how you view your world is only as good as the lighting that you see it through. Because we really see everything. We take in our world through our eyes and our eyes are taking in the lighting around us. And if things look dull, something feels off. Hey there, welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition. What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and Czech movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition, and support your body's natural healing abilities. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 153 of the Biohacker Babes. My name is Lauren, joined by my sister Renee. Hello. Hello. What's happening? Mm, well, we're talking about light today. So I'm just, I'm like in front of the window, like, give me light. All <laughs> the light. Had, I just had my human charger shining light into my ears. I was like, this is how we get motivated for a light podcast. Yes. I'm going to be running up to my rooftop to get some sunshine in a minute. Yep. Recharge. Step outside as soon as I can. So I know we haven't talked in depth about light on the podcast. So this will be a fun one. I think it's a lot of information. So hopefully this will be, you know, dipping your toe on the water. If this is new to you, which I feel like I knew nothing about light <laughs> after, after talking yeah. to her. So hopefully it will be motivation to dip into some resources. She has an incredible blog. I haven't even told you who's coming onto the show. <laughs> we have a beautiful guest. Her name is Talia Ram from Lumi Ram, which is a health lighting company. And there's just there's so much to dig into to like natural light versus artificial light. How do we have solutions to make this more optimal? Because we know light is such a powerful variable for our health. So anyways, we're going to drop some resources at the bottom in the show notes. So this can be the beginning of your light education as it was for us. Um, yeah, I learned a ton and certainly know that I need to get outside a little bit more, which I'm always trying to do, but also knowing that there are a lot of options for us in the home as we're spending more and more time indoors and on computers and tech and stuff. Like we have some biohacks, I think. Yeah. I think that's one of the beautiful things of biohacking is yes, we would love to be outside all day, but very few jobs allow us to do that. So it's like, how do we biohack the indoor lighting? And I've always been a little confused about light bulbs. I'm not going to lie. Like if a light goes out and Ryan's like, my husband, Ryan, he's like, you know, go to Home Depot and buy this light bulb. I go to the light bulb aisle and I'm just like jaw dropped. Mm. I'm like, uh, someone please help me. Like there's just so many options. And, and now <laughs> looking at their website, you see even more, like there's just so many aspects of, you know, what your goal is. Do you want to feel more awake? Do you want to feel more asleep? Do you want it warmer? You know, there's just a lot to unpack there. So I'm excited to upgrade the lighting in my house, uh, based off of what I learned from her today. So much great information. Yeah. Do you feel like the next time you go to home Depot, you'll feel a little less scared? <laughs> yes. Although I probably won't go there. I'll just go on her website and yeah. online. <laughs> Don't <even need> to go. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm really excited. So she actually shows a lot of her light bulbs in the video. So if you're listening to this on audio, definitely go over to YouTube, whether you watch the whole thing or not, but just dip in so you can see the bulbs are so, so beautiful. I want it just because they're so pretty, but they've done some great research. All right. Before we get into this conversation, a little more about Talia. 
So beautiful lighting has been a lifelong affair for Talia, who as the daughter of Lumi Ram founders, Corinne and Jacques Ram grew up immersed in lighting. So it seemed a natural progression that four years ago, Talia joined the ranks as resident wellness lighting expert for the company, drawing on her intimate knowledge of the product and her 10 years of experience as a meditation and yoga teacher. Lumiram is the original maker of neodymium glass light sources and has been a leader in full-spectrum lighting since first opening its stores in Europe in 1959. Lumiram has been invested in filling homes and businesses with beautiful oases of pure uplighting light through their signature line of Chromalux full-spectrum neodymium glass bulbs. Chromalux enhances colors, lessens eye strain, boosts vibrancy, and provides a striking pure white light. With Lumiram's exceptional product diversity and dedicated service to countless interiors nationwide, life is now as beautiful inside as it is on the outside. I love this. This is certainly a conversation about color, light, and just living a little more vibrantly. So, all right, let's talk about light. Welcome, Talia, to the show. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, ladies, for having me. So exciting. Yes, very excited. We haven't really talked much about light on the show, and we kind of on a surface level talk a lot about circadian rhythm alignment that is, I think, at the crux of biohacking and optimal health. And we know that light is one of the biggest variables when it comes to setting our body clocks, but we really haven't gone in depth about why light is so powerful. So we have a million questions for you (laughs) about how it affects our health and also the solutions that are available to us. I think that's what I... I always want to know is like, how do I make this better for myself? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So let's kick it off in a very simple way. Like why is light so important? Yeah. I think you already mentioned it. It controls so much of us. Most people are familiar with the circadian rhythm aspect and how, you know, we've heard of blue light and the dangers of using it at at night. We'll go all into that and and why that matters and why blue light actually shouldn't be demonized because it's necessary in the morning. I always like to say, when we're talking lighting, there's the health and light aspect, and then there's the lighting design aspect. And when people get confused, they don't know where to start because there's so many options in terms of shapes of light bulbs and where to put these things in your house. And then from there, you don't know how to choose a color. You know, color temperature is a thing. Blue light, like we just mentioned, red light, there's so many options. Our, our company, Lumiram, and our brand, Chromalux, the whole aspect there really of lighting is lighting makes you feel good in your home. It enhances colors, enhances contrast. Apart from circadian biology and what it does on that hand, it also really enhances how we see our world. I always like to say that how you view your world is only as good as the lighting that you see it through because we really see everything. You know, We take in our world through our eyes and our eyes are taking in the lighting around us. And if things look dull, I don't know if you ladies ever walk into a space and things just are dark, they're dingy, maybe the lighting is just not great there's no lighting even worse, you know, and it just doesn't feel right. Something feels off. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's a big, big part of it. Um, and what we really seek to improve is how things look indoors. And I mean, right now at my, my work desk, I have my overhead lights. I have lights behind me. I have two desk lamps. I am just always immersed in light. And if I don't, there's a huge difference. So sometimes if I'm traveling and I have my laptop and I'm in a workspace and the lighting isn't really properly tuned to my liking, I just, I don't feel as productive. 
you know? So we'll get into the reasons why that is, but it just controls so much. So if you ever feel that maybe something is off and, you know, as biohackers, we get everything else or we try to get everything else, um, you know, dialed in with nutrition and exercise, hydration, lighting is really, or I hope that it can be just another part of the checklist, you know, of our, our daily wellness checklist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I personally feel like I'm so sensitive to all the things that you said with light. Like one of the reasons I moved to Vegas was because I wanted more sunlight in the morning. <laughs> I was a huge driver to move here. So like, I love the morning sunlight. And then even going into a space, like I've never enjoyed shopping. And I think a big part of that is because the lighting in malls seems terrible to me. Oh, I'm like, awful. I'm like putting on an outfit the, or trying on an outfit. I'm like, is it me or is it the lighting or is it the clothes? I just feel terrible right now. I feel like or they get it right. They get it right in the place where it matters in the dressing room. If you notice some places, the dressing some room, some places get it. Yeah. They have the flattering light because they know that if the light looks good and makes you feel good, you're more likely to purchase. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So definitely notice that. So, you know, I'm curious, you know, humans obviously have evolved with being outside more where we followed the natural sunlight and darkness. So most of us are indoors now. I forget. It's like 90% of our time. Most people are inside, which is crazy. So how can we start to mimic like the natural cycle of light if we are inside more? Yes. I mean, there, so there are products, um, smart circadian lighting that exists. And I know that uh, for biohackers, it's not the optimal solution just because you have to be connected to Wi-Fi to control it. And it's LED based. So LED is really the only solution to have lighting that uh, changes throughout the day, which would be the optimal solution, but there are ways around that. So we'll get into it. So should we go into kind of the biology aspect and how, how the circadian rhythm kind of. Yeah. Be great. Yeah, let's, okay. yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. So basically there are two pathways. I mean, there's, there's supposedly more, but the main two ways that we absorb light are through the eyes. So the retina and the eye. Um, which is just an input pathway for the hypothalamus in the brain and through the skin. So we know UV comes through the skin. That's why we tan. That's um, how we get the vitamin D process started. We're going to be talking about through the eyes. So for light to take effect, it has to be coming in through our open eyes. Closed eyes, it still can come through, but optimally through the eyes when they're open. So we have three photoreceptors that we should really talk about. We have the rods and the cones, which most people are familiar with. Those are how we form vision. So we have the cones for daytime vision and the rods for, I guess, oversimplified for nighttime vision. The cones are how we see color. So, um, and we'll get into the electromagnetic spectrum and, you know, visible light. So we can really understand more about that. To really understand everything, you have to talk about the spectrum first. Um, So sunlight has, or light is just energy. It's just waves, just like everything else, like sound waves, like waves in the ocean. It's just everything is energy and everything has a wave. So light is one of those things. Uh, Sunlight produces everything from x-rays, gamma rays, radio waves, all of it. But the three that really are important when we talk about plant, animal, and human uh, life are really ultraviolet. So UV, so I'm going to go in the order. So we have UV, then we have this narrow band of visible light, and then we have infrared, which is invisible. So UV and an infrared are not visible to our eyes or to the human eyes. And our human eyes can see, again, with the use of these photoreceptors, 
we can see the visible spectrum. So that ranges from 380 nanometers on the far end, right above uh, ultraviolet. So that's violet and blue light. And then we have 760 nanometers at the very other end. Some people say 700. It kind of depends. That's going to be red light. So basically all the colors of the rainbow. So red, orange, yellow, green. So that's the visible light spectrum. So again, we have the invisible light on both ends, sandwiching the visible light in the middle. And that's how that's white light comprises all those bands of colors. And all those bands of colors also have a wavelength and have an energy. So the shorter the wavelength, the more energetic it is. So UV light is going to be more energetic than infrared light, which is going to have longer wavelengths. Mm -hmm. And this will be important when we talk about color temperature, you know, and, and color temperature throughout the day, because the red wavelength, so this, for the same reason that during high noon, we have this really blue white light and the color temperature, you know, is about 6,000 Kelvin, which is very, very blue, meaning it has a lot of blue wavelengths in it during dawn and dusk color temperature is warmer. So warmer light has more red wavelengths and the red wavelengths again are going to be longer they're going to be slower. And that's because they have they can actually reach Earth's atmosphere. So they're not going to be scattered by the atmosphere like blue wavelengths will. There's a lot of information, but basically the whole point here is that we have, again, the rods and the cones in the eyes, and we have this third photoreceptor, which are um, intrinsically photosensitive retinal ganglion cells, um, which basically their sole job is to pick up on blue light in the environment through something called melanopsin. And I know you, you ladies know about this because I read in your ebook, you have it in there, which is exciting. And so blue light is about, again, it's about 480 to 500 nanometers is where it's most sensitive. So that's the blue portion of the visible light spectrum that we just went over. So what it does is melanopsin, basically, we know melatonin, right, is what keeps us or puts us to sleep essentially. And we want it to be raising up in the evening so that we can get tired and get ready for bed. And during the day, we want cortisol in its place. And so that's kind of in a nutshell, like a very brief version of circadian rhythm. But the circadian rhythm is just how our bodies and our brains entrain to the environment and to the daily cycle of the sun rising and the sun setting. So you know, now we know a lot about blue light and how we shouldn't have blue light in the evenings. Another big part is, you know, the presence of light and how dim or how bright the light is, because that's also going to be picked up on the eyes, not just the color of the light. And if there's blue wavelengths, but if it's bright, that's also another indication that we're going to suppress melatonin. Um, and then we're not going to, you know, feel sleepy and, and that whole cascade of effects is not going to take place. So, you know, now we have the blue um, filters on our phones and devices. We have blue block glasses. Um, there's so many ways that, you know, you can reduce the blue light in your environment. So in lighting, you know, there's red LEDs. Um, if you don't like LEDs, then you can use incandescent light bulbs, which just out of the box are going to have very little blue light um, and a lot of red and also infrared, which is why, you know, they're, we love them so much. Um, and a lot, I know a lot of people in the biohacking world still love incandescence for that reason, just because you get so much out of the box. Yeah. And so then limiting blue light at night is one thing, but we have to have blue light on the flip side. We need to have it first thing in the morning. 
Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, whether that's getting outside and getting sunlight without sunglasses, (laughs) you want that again, the light has to come in through your eyes. So that's one way during most people might've heard of something called SAD or seasonal affective disorder. So that's basically when there's no sunlight during the darker months or in some places, you know, it's interesting because our brand was developed in Finland and a lot of people know Finland and Scandinavia, there's many months of darkness. So, you know, out of necessity, these things are created and, and was brought here, but yeah. So SAD is you get no sunlight, you feel lethargic, you feel depressed. It's hard to feel motivated. So light therapy is, is what we use, which is basically just a light box or a light pad that, and I know now you can have something in your ears also, it's just basically extremely bright light. And our brain picks up on that. And it's, again, it entrains the circadian rhythm and says, well, the one there's bright light and there's a lot of blue light, then it must be daytime. I should wake up and everything else that a that's according to their circadian rhythm. So body temperature will increase, our heart rate will increase, digestion gets going, everything kind of gets going for the day. So there's a lot of information. So I'll let you guys, <laughs> if you have any questions on that, but basically yeah, the, the blue light, you limit it in the evening, but on the flip side, you need it during the day. And Yeah. Cool. I have so many questions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned scattered light, which I've never really heard before. And I I hear that and I think, oh, scattered sounds chaotic. It sounds bad, but I'm assuming if that's what the, what nature and the sun gives us, that there is some benefit to it. So I'm curious, what, what is the scattered light doing to us? And also you mentioned like the intensity, regardless of temperature, like is more better, like more red light at certain times or more blue light better for certain people? Is that related to mood with SAD? Like when would you kind of optimize the intensity regardless of the temperature? Um, so the intensity, just so I understand, do you mean like in with light bulbs or just, uh, like natural daylight? Yeah, I guess with the light bulbs, if we're talking about home solutions, like, would you want to crank up the red light as high as possible? Or there's some people that do better with lower, like, how are we kind of modulating this throughout the day? And then I do oh, okay. circle back to the scattered aspect. Why is it scattered? Sure. Well, I, I'll start, we'll start with the scattered. That's just, um, a side note, really. It's really just the wavelengths of light the atmosphere and all the particles in the atmosphere and the gases in in Earth's atmosphere don't allow those shorter wavelengths of blue light to pass through. So mostly the red does, but when it's directly high noon and overhead, it can. So that's why we have that blue intense light at high noon of about 6,000 Kelvin um, and why it's warmer during the dawn and dusk. Does that kind of answer it? Yeah, so it's not a bad thing. No, no, no. It's just a natural yeah. phenomenon. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just how, you know, the, the energy of light and some can pass through and some, some cannot. For the same reason that infrared, which is longer wavelengths, can penetrate into our skin. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because it's longer, slower wavelengths for the very same reason. So the longer, slower red wavelengths is why we see the sun as red and the sky as red during dawn and dusk, because it's actually, it's farther away. Um, it's in a different position in the sky. So it's able to still reach us. And that's why we see it. Yeah. Great. Um, So I guess as far as like running through an optimal day, obviously we want to be outside. Can you give us kind of two, like an option A, option B, if you do have the chance to be outside a lot, what would be an optimal day look like? Like what time are you getting outside? How long? When is the best time to kind of affect those photoreceptors? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you really want to be getting outside first thing, you know, once you wake up, I would say in the first hour that you're up, you want to get outside. Some people, you know, it's not possible. You've been in an apartment. Um, 
In that case, if you can't, that's when you can use things like light therapy pads or other options that you just get a big blast of white light, white blue light. So again, that's where, you know, the whole concept of color temperature comes in. So white blue light is going to be a color temperature of a, anywhere above 4,000 or 4,500 Kelvin. Anything below that is going to be more red or more amber, and it's going to have less blue light. So that's great for nighttime, but for daytime, you definitely want to have that blue light. Hmm. What about, I don't know if this is a dumb question, but like we hear all the time that we want to get outside and get the blue light, but Mm -hmm. we want to block the blue light from our electronics. Like those of us that are sitting on computers all day, you know, like I have like my daytime blue blockers. So is it, what's the issue there? Is it the distance to the electronics to the eyes? Like, yeah, I mean, they're, they're electronics. It's not natural blue light. Yeah. So it's, you know, uh, from LED screens and, and just, it's a different type of blue. It's, I guess, blue in isolation versus blue in a full spectrum environment is kind of where the issue comes down to. Um, Got it. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And, and it's straining, you know, that's, I have my glasses too. I'd actually lost them right now. So I need to order a new pair. So I don't have them, but I definitely feel a difference when I'm just, I'm on the computer all day, you're staring at the screen, you know, there's things we can do to eliminate the eye strain, which is like, look away, you know, you shouldn't be sitting the whole time anyway. So get up, go outside, look at something far away, um, exercise your eyes a little bit in that, in that way. You know, that's why I use our, our light bulbs kind of here on my desk is just because they actually reduce eye strain because they enhance contrast. Um, they actually allow people to see better and perform better on in visual acuity tests, which is basically, you know, go to, you go to the eye doctor and you cover one eye and you have to read the lines. That's essentially what a visual acuity test is. It's how well you can see over distance and how clearly, and it really all comes down. So that's, you know, that's where lighting choices in the house really become important because we know from a biological standpoint, okay, we shouldn't have blue light, but then there's so many choices in light bulbs and artificial, I mean, quote unquote, artificial lighting that you can choose. Um, And not all lighting is created equal. There's just so many ways and so many technologies to make light. And some are better for some things and some are better for other things. For example, LED, you know, it might not be, it's very energy efficient, but there's so many things you can do with it. You know, you can have LEDs that are infrared LEDs. You can have red color LEDs. You have LEDs that produce UVC light and kill bacteria. Then you have, you know, incandescent and halogen fluorescent, which I remember. Oh, so many. Can you explain the difference? Yeah. Yeah. I always thought fluorescent as, when I hear fluorescent, I think of like being in an office building or being in Mm -hmm. school and you feel like exhausted from the lights, but they're not always bad. They're not always bad. Yeah. So fluorescent is just, you think exactly those big long tube lights, Um, basically how they make light is they have a phosphor coating that's like this white coating in the inside of the tube and it interacts. There's a little bit of, so people are concerned about mercury. There's some mercury vapor in there. And basically light is produced, light is energy, as we had mentioned. So when energy is created, there's kind of like a light is created. I guess it's the the easiest way to explain it. So in these tubes, the light is really, there's ultraviolet light. So again, that's invisible, but it interacts with the phosphor coating to convert it to visible light. It gets very confusing. So we'll kind of leave it there. But what's very interesting about fluorescent lighting is, for example, right now I have overhead, I have fluorescent lighting that's not super bright and white. It's actually kind of pink. 
So there are some mm-hmm. fluorescents that we make. So those are going to be warmer in color temperature. I think these are actually 3,700 Kelvin. So the cool thing is, according to the phosphors that you use in the tube of the fluorescence, you can have different color temperatures. So you can have daylight white, so about 6,500 Kelvin. So it's going to be super blue. Or you can have these warmer ones that I'm using, which I find more pleasant during the day. And why they're not always bad is because... So again, people assume flickering and buzzing and all that stuff of when you think office buildings or, you know, you go to the mall and you see that like flickering fluorescent, it's not really the light bulb. It's actually the ballast. It's the energy. It's the way that the energy is used. So it's not the light bulb that's flickering so much as it's the energy. So you can eliminate that with, you know, flicker free ballasts and the color of the light. So this is why it's not so bad is you need to have that blue light during the day. So let's say you work in an office and some office spaces or some, you know, almost like we work type spaces that have lighting designers and engineers come in, will use a special full spectrum fluorescent overhead, sometimes LEDs, depending on, you know, what they're using, but you need to have that blue light during the day. So when people are working in the office, you want to feel productive. You want to feel ready to go and, and not super sleepy. Um, so you need to have that bright blue light. So that's why it's not necessarily a bad thing. Why would you choose a fluorescent with blue light over an LED blue light in an office? Preference. They're different. So there's always like slight differences in color rendering index, which is how you see colors. LEDs, you can kind of get pretty pretty close to a, a high color rendering index score. So 100 is the best and that of sunlight. Um, we have ones that are 98, which is pretty high. Um, so that's why a lot of painters will use them in their studio because they can actually replicate the colors like mm. as if they're under uh, natural sunlight. Um, it's really a preference. I can tell a difference. Some people can tell a difference um, between the LED and the fluorescent. And some people prefer the fluorescent over the LED or the LED over the fluorescent. So it's really aesthetic preference. Mm. Well, aesthetic, not like mm-hmm. take a personality quiz to see. Who yeah. <laughs> that ever you yeah. <laughs> you work better under fluorescent. <laughs> yeah. There you go. What about like incandescent or uh, Edison light bulbs? I feel like halogen. Seen, yeah. Halogen. Mm-hmm. Yes. Where do all those fit in? Hey, biohackers. Renee here. Our friends over at Transcriptions, the ones who make one of our favorite nootropics called blue canatine, also famous for all those blue tongue photos we post, they have actually come out with a new product to help reduce anxiety and stress and optimize sleep called TroCalm. We had Dr. Scott Scher from Transcriptions on the podcast back in October, episode 114, if you want to go back and check it out, where he shared the science behind each ingredient that went into this formula. The blend of kava, CBG, CBD, and GABA provides a powerful punch to help you relax. It's pretty cool because you can start with just a quarter trochee during the day to ease some anxiety, or you can even take a full trochee before bed for a great night of sleep. I personally love taking it before bed. I sleep like a baby when I do that. So if you or anyone you know struggles with chronic stress, any anxiety, or trouble sleeping, head over to transcriptions.com and check it out. We will put the link for their website in today's show notes so it's easy for you to find. And don't forget to use code biohackerbabes at checkout to save 10%. All right, let's get back to the show. Yeah, I mean... We sell like the bulk of our product of our Chromalux bulbs. Um, we still have a lot of incandescence. So I'll pull one up here. So this, you can see, it's like the Edison bulb. You have the filament inside. Mm-hmm. So pretty. <laughs> yeah, ours, <laughs> ours are purple because of uh, 
something called neodymium, which is in our glass is kind of what makes us special um, and has all the color enhancing benefits and contrast enhancing benefits. Normal incandescents are just like a white, if it's a clear one, it's a white bulb, you know, and the light produced is kind of amber. Um, so it's going to be around, usually around 2,700 Kelvin is the normal incandescent color temperature. So again, because it's lower, it's warmer. That means there's very little blue light and much more red. Um, so that's why I mentioned you can kind of use those in the evening and it, they should be fine. You want to dim them. So you want to have also, if you use dimmers, that's a great option to keep you know, light in your environment pretty low at night, or you just use low wattage bulbs. Ours, our incandescents are a little different just because of the neodymium that I mentioned, um, that element that enhances colors. And our filament is also a little different. So you can kind of fine tune the color of the bulb. So ours is actually um, a little bit whiter. So it's not for people that don't like incandescents to be super yellow. Ours are kind of rosy, if that makes sense. They're white with kind of like a rosy reddish hue under them. So it's a really beautiful um, uh, difference or alternative to standard incandescents which are hard to find anyway. <laughs> um, and, mm -hmm. then, and then the halogens, I actually don't want to have one on my desk right here, but halogen is essentially, a lot of people get scared, but halogen is just an enhanced version of incandescent. So if you think of like a car headlight, for example, you can't touch it because the oils on our fingers, I don't know if you've ever heard that, but we get questions all the time. Can I touch my halogen light bulb? If it's a halogen, like our halogens, where it's just a, it looks like a light bulb within a bulb. So this is the glass shell. And then there's a little halogen, it's called a burner inside. So the burner is what you can't touch, but since it's protected by the envelope, it's okay. Um, and so the enhanced part is just, it's a capsule. So it's a, usually a quartz uh, capsule that contains one of these filaments. Um, and it also has some halogen gas inside. So it burns, there's a chemical reaction that just basically allows the filament to burn brighter. So how this produces light is plug it into the socket, electricity comes up the filament, and there's a bunch of resistance, and it causes it to glow. And the brighter or the hotter that it glows, just like a fire, the hotter it glows, the more light is produced. And also heat. But heat, as we know it, or in this case, is infrared. So it's very useful. And that's why a lot of people actually like incandescence because of the infrared that is produced. And if you're going to use incandescence, I, I used to use them in, in shaded lamps, but I would recommend that you actually don't have shades at all. And you have those kind of reflector type uh, lamps so you can get the light to kind of come on you. It's, mm -hmm. it's what I call like a ultimate light vitamin because you're getting so much out of it. You're getting this full spectrum of visible light and you're getting the infrared also. Again, this is an incandescent, if you can even see on the camera, but the halogen is just going to have a little capsule inside. So like another little light bulb, and it's just a little bit wider. So where, for example, this might be 2,700 Kelvin or three, or ours is 3,700. The halogen version is going to be a little bit brighter and wider. So there's more blue light. So a lot of people ask us, okay, what do I use during the day? And what do I use at night? Right? So yeah. use these at night. Or something like, I have this one over here. It looks like a little candle. This is 25 watts. You can use something like this at night um, just because it's dim. It's incandescent. So you don't have any of that. You don't have a lot of that blue light. And then use halogens during the day. Or if you're in an office and you want more white or more blue light, you can use fluorescents or LEDs. But if, the, if you're using LEDs, they come in all sorts of color temperatures. So you have to be aware of that. So 
again, you'd want something during the daytime above 4,000 Kelvin. So anything that says cool or daylight white, something like that. Okay. Yeah. I was curious about that. Cause if you sh- are shopping for LEDs and I feel like it's super popular and easy to find them in all different colors, we have to look at the energy spectrum to know, cause I don't know how they're making these. Are they like painting the outside of the bulb? Like, how do you know if you buy just like a red light bulb that it's actually the right spectrum? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all from the diodes that they use. So LED is light emitting diodes. So a cord, you create white light by, you know, you have the red, the blue, it's just like any combination, like old projectors, you know, they would create, remember those old projectors Mm -hmm. in the old days and you have each color. Um, It's the same concept with LED. So um, I'm not sure. Sometimes maybe they do paint them. I'm not aware. I think it's just a red diode. It should just be a red diode. Yeah. I just didn't know if there were some companies out there that are like trying to jump on the light therapy train and they're not maybe producing it in the most optimal you know, I don't know. Health. I don't know because that's not our specialty. We don't really get involved in that. We prefer the incandescent. So we have infrareds and red lights that are just incandescent based. And it's just the way that you tune the filament and how much, you know, where on the spectrum does it skew? Yeah, that, that's a great question. But I would say it's mostly, from my understanding, it should be just a red diode. Okay. So if we stick at the incandescent, we're probably going to be okay. You're going to be okay. In the nighttime. In the nighttime, yeah, or halogens during the day or LEDs that are going to be more more blue. Got it. Okay. So I have a personal practical question. I've been wanting to fix this in my house and I've been just confused as to what to do. So maybe you can give me some insight. And Lauren, you probably already know what I'm going to talk about. (laughs) So I live in a three-story house and it's this just huge staircase. All of the lights in that staircase are on one switch terrible. It's terrible. (laughs) We've asked an electrician. They can't split it off by floors. We also can't put a dimmer on it. And we get so much natural sunlight during the day that I never need to turn it on during the day. So I don't think I would need like a halogen or anything like that. But at nighttime without that light, it's pitch dark. So I have Mm -hmm. to turn it on at night, but I'll be like, you know, blocking my blue light with my glasses, have candles lit. And then I'll go up to my bedroom and flip on this horrific light. And then I'm like, oh, now I'm wide awake again to get into bed. So if I could replace all those, would incandescent be the best answer? What do you think? If it's going to be a nighttime? Yes, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I really don't need it during the day. Yeah. If you're not using it during the day and a lot of people actually say, oh, I have a lot of natural sunlight. I have lots of windows in my home. That's amazing. First of all, you're very lucky. Yeah. We have windows <laughs> everywhere. It's great. I save a lot on electricity during the day. Yeah. No, that's amazing. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're really most concerned at night. Yeah. And, and that's really where the, you know, the shape of light bulbs and the type. So it would depend on the fixture um, and what can accommodate. So if it's a newer home, sometimes, yeah. unfortunately, things aren't wired for anything other than LED. Just because of the energy that is drawn. Um, A lot of times you can get away. If it's like, is it a recessed light? Like a a can light or? Yes, I think they all are. Like this kind of bulb? Yes. Okay, yeah. Um, So sometimes from, from what I've seen, most of them are max 65 watts. So you could get away going a few watts over. It's not an issue, especially if there's enough room. Um, in the fixture, like a, a little bit of ventilation room for the bulb to breathe. Yeah, you could use like this one is actually a halogen. It's a 72 watts. So you oh. can use one of these. 
It's an R30 shape. That's the typical shape. It's about a four inch diameter. You can even go a bit smaller, which is going to be an R25, which is, that's what I use actually in my bedroom when I, where I have those recessed lights. Mm-hmm. They're also on a dimmer, um, but they work really well. If it's just on a regular on off switch, that would be your best okay. bet. Yeah. Okay. Just the incandescence. Um, and again, always choose the right shape. You know, a lot of people yeah. ask, can I put this light bulb into my ceiling? And I, apparently a lot of people do that. And they're like, there's not enough light coming out. Yeah, um, you can't do that. I mean, you can okay. technically because it all has the regular E26 base. It's the regular screw base. Mm-hmm. Um, but the shape of the bulb really matters. And that's kind of like into, uh, I'm just writing a blog post now because we get this question all the time. And you can't really use light efficiently, you know, all these color things and color temperature, you can't use it efficiently if you're not using the right shape. Mm. So mm. that's just as important. So yeah, the, like just as kind of a really, I guess, a side note, but it's also part of the conversation. This is an A19. So that's the, there's something even smaller an A15, but you'll mostly see this shape. It's like an upside down pair. That's like your standard household lamp that goes into desk lamps, floor lamps, whatever. Um, and then this is a flood bulb. So in LED world, you see something called BR, which is bulged reflector. And then the numbers after that are just the diameter of the bulb. So this one is an R30, something larger is an R40. So it really depends on the, the size of the diameter. Again, this is for flood fixtures or recessed lighting fixtures. Um, and then the third is, you know, these are the three main ones you see in homes are the candelabra. So I actually don't have a real candelabra. This is the fat medium base. So this can go in regular fixtures, but the skinny one, it's called E12. People use those in their chandeliers. So those three bulbs, the A bulb, the flood R or the B10 or the B bulb candelabra are the main ones that you see. And they have to each go in their, in their designated fixture so you can get the most light out of it. Yeah. So you, you're holding up so many beautiful light bulbs. And so anyone that's listening to the audio of this, which I think more people are, I think we're going to have a lot of conversion over to YouTube, go check out the video, but (laughs) they all have this beautiful, like violet tint to them. And that's the neodymium. Am I saying that correctly? Can you explain what that is? Neodymium. Yes. So neodymium, um, is an earth element. It's uh, very commonly found in the, the crust of the earth and the oxidized version is, uh, included in our glass bulbs. So just like you have silica to make the glass, which is like a normal bulb, um, or I guess not so much these days because now we have a lot of LEDs, which are plastic. But incandescents that are actually glass, ours have neodymium in there as well. And so the neodymium is what basically acts as a filter. And this is kind of an interesting uh, point. We had talked about the rods and the cones, those photoreceptors allow us to see. Um, So the cone of the eye basically is of the human eye is most sensitive to in the visible uh, the visible spectrum 555 nanometers so if you were to look at the graph if you remember on the left we have um, 380 nanometers which is the violet 500 which is around the blue or I'm, I'm sorry lower than that and then we have the yellow the green and then the yellow so that portion 555 actually to be specific is where our eye is most sensitive so it's the color that we know is tennis ball yellow. So if you think of a tennis ball, that color, our eyes are most sensitive to and reds and blues, not so much. It's actually like a, it's just a bell curve. So there's a huge spike 
at 555, right in the middle. And then on the other side, it's pretty low. So Chromalux, our brand, I'm, I'm the daughter of the founders, right? So my father, a long time ago in Europe, in Finland, uh, discovered that they were using a very similar type of, of lighting. Uh, dermatologists were using it to in, like basically see any differences in their patient's skin. So because it enhances colors, it enhances contrast, they were able to see capillaries, veins, pores, and textures in the skin. So it was more, it's like you're seeing something under a magnifying glass, mm, which is why cool. these are really good for visual acuity. And um, a lot of low vision centers are recommending these types of bulbs for that reason as well. So basically, and the way that it enhances colors an interesting point is this called this bulb. If I bring it right here, it looks purple. If I bring it somewhere else under a different light, it will look blue. So a lot of people get confused. They're like, I thought I bought a purple bulb, but I received a blue bulb. Can you send me the oh, correct funny. one? It looks purple to me. It is. Yeah. yeah so it changes purple. colors. It's a chameleon. It changes colors because it has this interesting absorption band. So that's the neodymium. So because the eyes are so sensitive to 555 and not so much blue and red, which is kind of how we, we, uh, like vividness in our environments are more with the blues and reds. So if we could lift those up a bit, that's essentially what this does. It attenuates or it pulls down, it filters out a little bit of that yellow, which we have so much, or we're so, our body, our eyes are so aware of, so sensitive to. By pulling that down or filtering that down a bit, it actually allows, it boosts the values of reds and blues to come in. And that's why things look really vivid and colorful. And also the same reason why it enhances contrast and is good to read and, and see better. Um, there so must that, be a reason for yellow light though, right? Like biologically, what's the purpose of it existing if we're sensitive to it? Oh yeah. I mean, it's just, I think it's just really the, and I've been searching for the reason and there's really not a lot of information on that. Darn. I just, you know, <laughs> I've, I've been searching and searching. Um, I imagine that it's really just, if you have something yellow, it's easier just from a, you know, like a danger standpoint, you know, you think ah. of those signs, which one is it? The school crossing one. There's one that that is that color. Oh, right. I think it's produced in that color just because our eyes are sensitive to it. And oh, we'll it's like it attention. Up. It's like an attention. Exactly. It's like how some uh, like geckos or what is it? Some poisonous frogs have a, have red or they have all these colors. Mm-hmm like warning, you know, it, it is interesting, but I really just think it's just, uh, because it's a bright color because it's also right in the middle of the spectrum. So it's like right smack in the middle of the pictures of the spectrum also has, has, um, a reason to do with that. It's, it's all really, I mean, it's just so much information and it's all quite interesting. Yeah. That makes is sense a, to me. Yeah. <laughs> is there a time of day that there's more yellow light outside the way there is like blue and amber? Or is that not a thing? Yeah. Nature? I mean, so the, so the light is the, yeah. So just like, this is an interesting point. Some people say, oh, full spectrum light is blue light, only like 6,000 Kelvin. If you think of the sunlight, that's full spectrum as well. We can't argue that, but it changes color temperature throughout the day. So yes, there's more red and yellow again at dawn and dusk, um, just because that's, those are the longer wavelengths. So they have more time. They can travel farther distances and have more time to reach us. Um, and then the blue are going to be shorter, more energetic, and you get more of that during noon, if that answers the, the question. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I feel like there's just so much more to there's learn so about this. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I can see why you do this full time. It's just like never ending. For someone that's maybe new to this, like, what would be the top priority for someone to start that's like brand new to the idea of changing their lighting? Yeah, I mean, one? I think most people are are 
familiar with, you know, red light bulbs at night or definitely in the biohacking sphere. I know people are, are aware of that. Um, and just like you mentioned, you know, at, if you have a lot of, if you're lucky to have windows and daylight is not an, is not a problem. And I think the most, you know, the biggest bang for your buck is going to come from changing your nighttime light. So again, if that's using red LEDs, which I know a lot of people are using, or you're using incandescents because you like the infrared, that's a good place to start. So you want to, whether that means starting with desk and floor lamps, because those are kind of easy to just swap out the bulbs. And sometimes it's harder to kind of grab a ladder if your ceilings are tall and, and start messing with that. Um, I think most people are are likely to just say, okay, I have some desk lamps, I have floor lamps. You can kind of fill up a space with with ambient light in interesting ways um, by putting different incandescents in there or maybe halogens, most likely incandescents for nighttime. Um, so that's a really good place to start. I would also use, again, so the lower wattage ones, for example, for like a nighttime reading lamp, I use this one in my bedside table. So this is a 25 watt candle bulb, but with a regular medium base. So it can go into any fixture. Um, so I put this into my little bedside table lamp for reading um, at night because it's low wattage. It has a lot of that uh, nice red color anyway, very little blue and it's low wattage. Um, I would start there. Mm -hmm. If people want some halogens during the day or at work, let's say you work in an office and you have overhead fluorescence and you can't change them, right? A lot of people are like, I can't change that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what do I do? Unless you have a really cool boss. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And some people do, you know, <laughs> just climbing up on a ladder in the middle of your work day. Well, mind me. Yeah. We've actually had a lot of people. They're like, I'm the office manager for this. So-and-so company. so many. And they're like, I was sent this link for your bolts and I'm going to buy them. Oh, that's <laughs> so awesome. Some, some are, are pretty cool in that way. And they're trying to a lot more employers, thankfully now are aware of the lighting and the, you know, how it affects employees. And so they're making these changes. That's great. Which are, I mean, which you're you're going to be more productive and exactly. less sluggish. That's yeah. Why wouldn't you invest in that? Yeah. It's a small upfront, upfront cost and you get these, you know, amazing returns on that investment and people feel better. And yeah, it's, it's great. Um, if that's not the case and you can't change anything about the lighting above, <laughs> then that's why, again, I have my fluorescence overhead. Um, just kind of to fill the space with the general kind of diffuse light. Um, and then I have my desk lamp. So again, I have two desk lamps and I have a floor lamp behind me that's out of, well, they're all out of out of the screen right now. And two of them are incandescent and one is halogen. And the reason that I love that, again, is the color and it makes my space look just colorful and it's so much easier to work by. That will make a world of difference. Again, if like a lot of people aren't aware of lighting, but I'm sure you are aware when you walk into a dark and dingy space, you don't feel pretty productive and you don't feel ready to do stuff. Yeah. Um, energy suck. It's such an sure. energy suck. Absolutely. And it's a mood drainer too. You know, you want to feel alive. And so we say these bulbs are very uplifting because they are, when you see color in your environment, I've used this analogy before, but there was this, this video game where I think it's still around called the Sims. If you're familiar with that. Oh yeah. I remember mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Where they have a little diamond over their head and they have different meters for different parts of their environment. So one was environment, relationships, food. Um, so the environment one, if, which I find interesting, and I just made this correlation now, um, or very recently, is that when they walk into a space that was dirty 
or they hadn't done their laundry and laundry was all over the place or there was food all over, whatever it was, the meter would start going down. Biohackers made this game, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) Yeah, I did not pick up on that. Yeah. And so also same thing, relationships, if they don't have friends or, you know, whatever is happening, that would start to drain as well. So you'd have to That's amazing. figure out, you know, play dates or whatever it was. I don't remember, but you'd have yeah. to start socializing. You'd have to eat and that would, everything would start going back up. So the same thing with your lighting, you walk into a space and the lighting is just not great or the, or again, worse, there is no lighting. It's dark. <laughs> then you don't feel good. I always like to imagine that little meter is slowly draining. Mm. And during the day, so again, at night, that's fine. You don't need the light. You don't want light during the, at night. You don't want a lot of it. But during the day, you need a lot of light and you need it to be colorful. You need it to be bright. You need it to be stimulating, uplifting. Um, so that's why I have, and I always say people, you should get desk lamps if you can't deal with your overhead. And even if you can, and your employer is really cool, or you work at home and you just, you can deal with that and and tune that to be a brighter, whiter color temperature. It's nice to have the juxtaposition of something white against something kind of more rosy in the case of our bulbs or just more colorful. Um, It's just creates this nice contrast. It's very, you know, visually pleasing, um, which again, increases that meter of how, you know, we feel because things look better in our environment. So I say, get, deal with your overheads and then deal with your, you know, fixtures on your desk or your floor, because you can easily swap out the bulbs to your liking. So you can try different ones, try different color temperatures. You know, you can try our bulbs. So that's more colorful. Uh, There's really just so much that you can do. So again, I would start nighttime, figure out the lighting there, and then uh, daytime, you know, overheads should be white and then something closer also just to, to work by or whatever you do during the day, just to kind of feel more inspired. Mm-hmm. That's great. I'm curious about the contrast at night. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of us like to watch TV at night and I've always felt like just having the light, the blue light from the TV feels a little aggressive, even with blue light blockers. So I like the contrast of having a few other lights in the room. So it's not just coming from the TV. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I made that up or if that's just what feels good to me. So I naturally do that. Is there like, is there a scientific reason behind like that dampening effect or should we just have it from one? I mean, I think that the best solution would to be, if you can, would just dim the screen if possible, because your eyes will naturally, um, the pupils will naturally uh, adjust. So the the brighter that the light is, that, you know, the pupils will have to dilate uh, to allow the light in. And you don't actually want that because when they dilate, it's also a signal to the brain that, hey, time to wake up. So for the same reason you wake up and someone turns or opens up the blinds and it's like, oh my God, it's, you didn't have time to kind of warm up the eyes. So a huge blast of light and your, your pupils haven't had time to kind of adjust to the gradual increase in light. Um, so I would say first, just start with the light sort, like the light being from, from the sure. screen. If you can go into the settings and dim those, that would be the best. Um, then yeah, I think keeping the lights on um, just for the, for that contrast is, is kind of a good like dim lights, if you can dim them, uh, yeah, is probably dim. Yeah. So exactly. What you felt was naturally the felt best is the better option. Okay. I have one more personal question. I know we're, we're coming up on our time, but 
sorry, mom and dad, we have like this light war that goes on in the house. I'm curious, like some people are more sensitive than others. Like Renee and I, I think it's like the more, you know, the more we can fear about bad lighting and I'm super sensitive. My parents in the morning, like all the lights off, but there's not a ton of natural light. They live in the woods and I'm like, where's the light in the morning? And they're kind of the opposite at night. They want the lights on to see it. I'm like, ah, the light. Like, is there a reason why some people are more sensitive to others? And like, what is the hack for the people that are similar to me and a little more sensitive? Like are blue light blockers enough? I I mentioned so many other like home solutions. So they don't like the lights on in during the morning, Yeah, but they like it on it. So they're opposite. Yeah. And I feel like the odd one out, (laughs) like this doesn't feel right. (laughs) Well, I I do know. So lighting is, again, it's a very personal thing. And I see this all the time. A lot of men prefer bluer lights than women. Oh, my boyfriend loves blue light all the time. It's like drawn to blue light. Yeah. And women are like, oh, I don't like that. (laughs) So you get the war between, you know, uh, husbands and wives of what light they're using. (laughs) The men prefer things that are a little bit brighter and bluer. I will say that the the eyes and the retina does change sensitivity as we age. Um, hmm. So I think above age 60, I'd have to check again. So it's going to not be as sensitive or I'm sorry, it would be more sensitive specifically, I think in the yellow, I'd have to check on that, but that could be a reason why I have not heard of that. That could just be their own preference. Maybe. Yeah. They've oh, been doing it for a long time. Yeah, yeah, they've been doing it for a long time. It feels good for them. If they can get some sunlight, that would be the best. Well, I guess but, it's for me. Like if I step outside and get natural blue light, then maybe I can tolerate the darker indoors. Like can we just balance it with outdoor light? Yeah. I mean, so you're saying when you go to their house, it's like you want to turn on the lights, right? Yeah. Yeah. But they don't want it. Yeah. <laughs> you just go outside. Just, yeah. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> See you later. I'll come visit more often if you get those lights on. <laughs> no, it, it's, you know, again, this is where lighting is really interesting because everyone perceives it differently. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, depending on our age, you know, just other factors of how our eyes are, we see things differently. So people will interpret color differently also. Ultimately, it all comes down to, and what I always tell customers is, all right, I suggest this. But ultimately, the decision is yours to determine what light you like. So that's why I said, go with the floor and desk lamps because it's so easy to swap out bulbs. If you find, oh, this one bulb that I chose just isn't cutting it for me, try another one. And it's it's quite easy to do so. Um, so yeah, really at the end, it's just such an aesthetic you know, preference. And while we can give recommendations on not having blue light at night, having more blue during the day, having more light during the day, not having a lot at night... Um, and saying that that would be the optimum uh, environment, ultimately, it really comes down to how you feel. So if for some reason you don't like the light, what can we do about that? You know, it's just, if you feel better without it, then that, that's just, you know, I would yeah. say, you know, know thyself. Would, yeah, exactly. Know thyself. It's always a personal thing. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's such yeah. a personal thing. Yes. Well, thank you so much for answering all of our questions. Oh my goodness. I learned so much today. Um, Before we let you run, Talia, we just want to ask one final question. If you can give our audience a piece of advice to optimize their health wellness, it can be related to light or not totally up to you. Sure. I like to always say, so same thing. Everything is energy. Think of everything in your environment, including yourself as all just one 
form of energy. So when you're choosing your lighting, you're choosing your food, or we're aware of that, you're choosing whole foods, the same thing, choose full lighting just, and also make it part of your wellness checklist. So you're getting that whole food, you're getting that whole nutrition or, um, you know, good hydration, good exercise and movement patterns, put lighting on there, but also have that full range. And that's why I was talking about having those different colors of light. So never have just one thing, just one thing is never going to be right in anything in nutrition or light. Um, so you want to have varied lighting, different color temperatures, different types of lighting, uh, different brightnesses, and just explore, just have fun. You know, there's so many reasons or out there. And the more that you start to learn, it's such, it's such a, you know, not talked about subject, but please, you know, go and learn more because lighting is, it's a basic part of our environment and it influences so much of us. And we are aware of it to some degree, but probably not to the degree that we should be aware. So get out there and explore. <laughs> I love that. It really gives new meaning to living a colorful life. A hundred percent. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom. Can you tell our audience where they can find more of you or find out more about the company? Yes, definitely. So the company is called Lumi Ram, uh, and you can buy all of our products at healthlighting.com. So that's H-E-A-L-T-H lighting.com. Um, and I always like to mention, because sometimes we get a lot of listeners that whether they're uh, chiropractors or naturopaths, they have a yoga studio. You can also, and you want to use these lights in your practice um, or for your studio. A lot of people do. You can go to Lumiram and kind of get started there. Awesome. That will be in the show notes. So scroll down if you want to learn more. Talia, thank you so much for spending your time with us today. Thank you, ladies. So much fun. Thank you. And thanks to everyone that tuned in today. We'll see you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional.